Hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of Vichar, the official podcast of Azad Awaz. Azad Awaz is a monthly magazine by the Center of New Economic Studies at OP General Global University. The magazine aims to focus on the issues of the marginalized section of the society whose voices are often muted and deliberately silenced. The previous issues have dealt with problems such as class, caste, gender, and sexual orientation among many others. If you're listening for the first time, do take a look at our previous work. Today's episode is the first of a two-part issue. In this edition of Vichar, the focus would be to understand the Naxalite movement in Central India as a response to the marginalization and exploitation of tribal communities in the region. There is much debate on whether the Naxalite movement is a legitimate response to the systemic oppression and exploitation of marginalized communities or if the Naxals as violent extremists who pose a threat to the national security. Through this issue, we would like to explore the objectives of the movement itself and the deep-rooted socio-economic inequalities faced by the tribal communities in India. We would also like to look into the state's response to counter the movement through military force, which has only served to further marginalize and harm these communities. The objective of this edition would be to understand the Naxalite movement through a nuanced and comprehensive approach that addresses the social, economic, and political factors that are driving the conflict itself. We're proud to host Mr. Ashutosh Bhardwaj as a guest today to speak about this issue. Mr. Bhardwaj is a journalist, fiction writer, and literary critic. As a journalist, he has traveled across Central India and documented the conditions of tribe caught in the conflict between the Maoist insurgents and the police. He has investigated encounter killings, cases of political corruption, and electoral malpractices. He's the only journalist in India to have won the prestigious Ramnath Goenka Award for Excellence in Journalism for four consecutive years. He was shortlisted for Tata Lit Fest 2020 Award and Kamla Devi Chattopadhyay Award. He has also received the Krishna Baldev Ved Fellowship for the Innovative Fiction and was a writer-in-residence at Sangam House in Bangalore. Good morning, sir, and thank you so much for being here. Um, so uh, my first question to you is that uh, after witnessing the intensification uh, of the conflict between the Maoist and the Indian state, um, which of the two would be the most advantageous to the Adivasis uh, in terms of terminating the displacement and uh, controlling the violence towards uh, the Adivasis? Well, I'm not sure if I uh, completely agree with the framing of this question that which of the two is the best, uh, whether the Maoist or the Indian state. Because on face of it, we are in a constitutional state and obviously uh, the constitution is, if, they, if, if it is implemented in its best spirit, then the, we, are the, we are safest under the constitution. So there, I, I'm not sure if there anybody would have any doubt about it. So the Indian state is a constitutional state 
and uh, under a constitutional we believe we know that we are safe here and, uh, and all our rights can be protected they will be protected under the state now the question is whether the government which is elected whether or and when i am saying the government not only the central government but all the governments are they ensuring or are they doing enough to protect the spirit of the constitution that is the question right so this uh, yeah yeah right so this i will begin with this that our constitution is the best possible document as of now we have to uphold the rights of the adivasis or uphold the rights of all those who are displaced but unfortunately the governments are not doing so the governments are not upholding the uh, the constitution so coming back to your answer which uh, of these two i would say any uh, whosoever follows the spirit of the constitution whosoever follows the true letter of the constitution and then we should also ask the question that the nexel yes they have uh, certainly have the adivasis uh, learn about their political rights but are uh, what what kind of a state are they going to offer what what kind of a state are they going to uh, implement once quote unquote just it's just a hypothetical hypothetical situation once they come to the power once they take control of india so that is still not clear would they have uh, similar belief in the constitution that is still not clear so my answer is i'll end this question with this answer that a democratically elected government which follows the true principles and the letters of the constitution is best suited to meet the interest of of, of the adivasi uh right sir uh, could you also comment on the uh, literacy rate amongst the adivasi community in uh, bastar region specifically when the literacy rate is not high i don't have the exact figures with me but uh, they uh, are not many of them are literate it's also because the indian state and and the various facilities of the state they have not yet reached the adivasi community uh, if you know that the vast the vast area which is known as abujmar uh, uh, which is i guess uh, which closer to around 5000 square kilometers uh, large parts of this area has not yet even surveyed which means the government doesn't have any details about which are the villages where are they located what are the coordinates of various villages so such is the wilderness that exists in the middle of central india so uh, by the way for the benefit of uh, of our listeners uh, i'll just uh, add it here that we are talking about a place called dandakaranya which is composed of uh, large tracts of uh, forest area in several adjoining states maharashtra telangana odisha uh, and chatisgarh so that is called as dandakaranya so because the state has not been able to uh, reach there go there therefore the literacy rate is uh, very poor in those areas and not just literacy rate all those human developed indices they uh, show a very poor picture uh, right so their socio economic development is lacking somewhere right uh, so what do you think can be done to improve that 
well the state should start going there that's the only option the state must implement as i said in the beginning uh, the spirit of the constitution the state should take far more effort uh, the uh, to to meet the promises that the constitution uh, has made to all of us as simple the that that local administration should be uh, proactive various agencies of the government various agencies of the state must come together uh, to ensure this is it right sir i'm sorry uh, my <laughs> yeah yeah my uh, voice is in a very poor shape so unable to speak much yeah but i'll try to yeah okay uh, sir so my next question to you is um the indian state uh, uh, has not been able to contain the naxalite insurgency uh, what do you believe could be the main cause of this problem see the insurgency began uh, formally in 1967 in a small village of west bengal called naxalbari when certain villagers they revolted against their local zamindar the main problem or the, the reason behind the naxal movement is that these bunch of uh, leftist gorillas believe that the democratically elected government of india they uh, somehow they don't work for the rights for the poor their focus remains on the capitalist class or and of certain vested interests and they do not really they work for common people be it adivasis or or, or other marginalized marginalized classes therefore they believe that the only way to empower them to give them rights is through a sustained armed struggle so the root cause of the leftist revolutionary movement in india is the the sustained uh, marginalization of adivasis of laborers and several other marginal communities and the belief that only through an armed revolution they can uh, allow them or they can provide them certain rights this is it right sir uh so uh, my next question to you could be that uh, since the adivasis are facing discrimination and uh, displacement due to due to the industrialization in the area like you mentioned how there's capital capitalization so uh, uh these industrialization in the area uh, where they're living for decades uh, what do you believe could be done to address this issue the first thing that we should do and that has also been the demand of several adivasi communities is that adivasis should be given rights over the mining land over the mining area they have been demanding for 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 long now that our land that we should be given rights over we should have rights to mine right to mining which unfortunately we do not have i i'll give you an instance 
Dantewada has some of India's richest iron ore mines. Right? Dantewada, in Dantewada, NMDC, which is National Mineral Development Corporation, they have been running one of India's biggest iron ore mining plant for the last 60 years, 70 years, close to 70 years. And they have extracted huge amount of iron ore, I guess millions and billions of tons in the last 60, 70 years. And they have sent it to uh, uh, export to various countries. Now the question that we should ask is, if industrialization, as we are told, is, is, is key to prosperity, development, if by industrialization we can provide uh, several facilities in that area, then why does Dantewada remain one of India's, not only the most backward region, why Dantewada remains the, head, the hotbed of natural insurgency? Why a sustained industrialization in, in Dantewada, in certain pockets of Dantewada, has not been able to help the local residents? Why, why, why? This is the question that we should ask. And then we will come to a very unfortunate answer, unfortunate realization. It is because our industry has completely escaped, bypassed the Adivasi country. Now, I'll give you an instance here, another instance, just to draw a comparison. Uh, in Jamshedpur, which is, a, uh, which is in Jharkhand, you have uh, a similar... Uh, uh, now, in, in Dantewada, you have NMDC operating. In, in, in Jamshedpur, you have Tata, Tata Group. They are, they are running some, some industrial plant. But Tata has converted Jamshedpur into a massive township. Now, Jamshedpur, which is also called Tata Nagar now, is a, a rare example of how industrialization can be inclusive, how industrialization can take place of people's requirements, native demand which unfortunately has not happened in Dantewada. So coming to your question, what kind of industry do we need? Yeah, we, we need industry, but only with the consent of locals, because if it doesn't happen. If the locals are not involved in decision making, we will very soon find that uh, the industrialization process does very little to the local Adivasis. Now I'll give you one, one example, then I'll uh, end this question. In the last 70 years or so, as I said, NNDC has been running a massive uh, uh, iron ore plant there in, in, in Tantewada. And yet, and yet, not a single local Adivasi has been able to get a job other than of a class 4 guard, class 4 employee in the NMDC premises in the last 70 years or so. Whereas NMDC employs a range of professionals, range of people here. So what has it, it has it done to the local people? This is a question that we should ask. And then we should also ask that we build mega industrial plants over the land of somebody else. And we extract minerals from the land of somebody else. And 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 but and, and what do we offer them? Nothing. So in whose name the industrialization is taking place? This is the question to be asked. Right. So as you mentioned that uh, the Adivasis, like their livelihood depend on the forests and the mining areas. And it's vice versa also, right? Uh, 
like without adivasis i don't think uh like soon or sooner or later we'll face an environmental crisis because of the deforestation and uh, the exploitations of resources um in the area so uh, uh my next question would be uh, like what are your thoughts on the increase of violence towards uh, these adivasis in india well the state has intensified the state wants to capture those areas uh, for mining purposes and because these adivasis are leading a, a, a struggle against such uh, acquisition unethical and illegal acquisition of it, uh, of their areas therefore the state wants to uh, usurp their land and evict them from their land and in the process you see that paramilitary forces also come upon their land in the process you see that there are several uh, one in incidents also against them most recently we had seen in the year 2021 in the in may when the crpf uh, was constructing a camp in silgir village of sukma and local villagers were protesting then the police opened fire at them the security forces opened fire at them and three persons uh, were killed at the spot that eventually led to a massive uh, protest which continues till date in the name of silgar protest so the state wants to snatch their land uh, for a commercial activity and uh, that leads uh, them into a direct conflict with the local authorities it is happening in dantewada it is happening in, in bastar it is also happening uh, in odisha niamgiri perhaps you you might have heard about that as well so yeah it, it's there every it, there in several states uh, where adivasis are, uh, are are in a majority and but as we say as we noted in the beginning because they are not in, because they are not literate enough because they are they do not form a political cloud therefore quite often the state is able to crush uh, their uh, protest uh, right sir. so as you mentioned there's a parallel army uh, the other name of this parallel army is salva judum uh, so what do you think uh, what are their role in performing like to ensure there's that there's a uh, peace and stability and harmony in bastar region specifically salwa judu was a parallel army it is not it's not now and the correct way is not to term it as parallel army it was a vigilante vigilante group it was launched in 2005 in bastar to evict uh, the maoists out of that area and uh, it eventually collapsed by 2007 and uh, <clears throat> so this uh, movement talwa judum as we know it was launched by a congress leader named mahindra karma who was fully supported by the then uh, bjp government led by the chief minister ramal singh and this movement aimed at arming young adivasi boys uh, providing them uh, weapons and then pitching them against their own brothers 
this is this is how uh, it took place but we all know that if you give weapons to young boys and girls they will they are not likely uh, to follow the spirit of the constitution it 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 it, it, it is quite possible that they will use these weapons to settle their own scores own score <coughs> so that's what it it eventually happened uh salvajudum it began as a movement to evict the adivasi or to evict the naxals from uh, from the mouth from bastar but and very soon it 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 converted into a movement against the adivasi and an inordinately large number of adivasis were killed during salvajudum they were uprooted from their land they were evicted from bastar and they were forced to come out uh, to town areas and live in uh, relief camps and they continue to live there right so uh, oh, uh, yeah 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 sorry sir please go ahead no no you yes that that was it that more that that kalwa judum is uh, was a horrible horrible exercise and uh, just just to add one more point here that in 2011 july july 2011 supreme court declared Uh, salva judum and the special police officers illegal unconstitutional the supreme court clearly said that the state cannot employ uh, uh, young people and give them arms unauthorized arms and inject them in the police force and send them to the battlefield this is it so uh, what can be done to defend these helpless adivasis that are stuck in this position what can be done uh, if you want that uh, what can be done at an individual level say your level my level uh, the best way is to understand them who they are understand what, what is their uh, what is their demand unfortunately we as a country we as a civilization have failed the adivasi we as a civilization we have hardly trained our gaze to the adivasi so the question that we must uh, face uh, what have we do, what have been done to uh, understand forget address to understand the adivasi question adivasis remain perhaps the among the most neglected community uh, communities of india uh, and upon whom there is very little uh, or scholarship very little away uh, reporting is available of that so the the what can be done done for them done to address their issue the first step is to understand them read more about about them go to their areas work with them spend uh, spend greater time with them and then write their tales this is this is one the second is to empower them second step is to empower them make them literate uh, let them narrate their own stories let them tell uh, tell their own lives the third stage would be uh, to give them their rights over their land their rights over their land so that no uh, outside uh, work outside authority can encroach on their land without a due process of law
Right, sir. Um, well, uh, thank you so much for this conversation, sir. This was quite insightful and we really value your opinions and your views on this issue. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks.